Here we go, Troy, Malcolm and Adrian Bow on the Troy, Malcolm and Adrian Bow podcast, episode 150. Troy, I actually did some throwback Thursdays and we started the podcast in like 2017, 2018. So we're up to like five, six years, which is incredible. How are you going today, my good friend? Mate, it's unbelievable. And think about, you know, where the journey started with the podcast. Um, we were just chatting one day and... I was obviously involved in Million Dollar Agent and still involved with that mm. podcast today. But you said there's actually a deeper story that we're missing um, in mm. the podcast. And so we kind of threw a couple of ideas together and decided to interview a couple of key agents um, that mm. we knew back then, both within the brand that we were working for, being McGrath, and then also people that we knew within the industry. And it's just evolved from then. AB, you know, jokingly, before we came on, we were, we were laughing saying that, we're both really busy. Your coaching business um, has a huge amount of traction uh, in a lot of markets right now. My current role within the business at McGrath Estate Agency is, is really busy um, and challenging, which is fantastic because the market conditions, the calibre of agents and the high-performance culture that this business provides actually makes you lift your standards. And so we were joking saying that this podcast is actually a really nice moment in time to look forward to each week because we get that chance to sit back chat as friends, but also share with our listeners some of the lessons and the learnings that we've found over the past five or six years that we know can have a huge impact on our listeners' business to help them grow uh, a really successful business as a, as a whole. But to hit 150 as an episode, I think that's pretty good. That's, that's, that's a good achievement. But to be honest, yeah. maybe I know you've got the same mindset as I do. Um, we're only just beginning. So this is kind of really exciting to see how far we can take this. Um, we love the feedback we get. We love the readers or the listeners continue to grow every single week. And, you know, we're evolving it. So keep coming those, keep sending those questions in because this is, this is really something that we enjoy doing. Um, our currency is getting feedback. Our currency is seeing those reviews and ratings online and, and the questions come in. So if we can help your career grow at any point in time, please just reach out because that's what, that's what we're here to do. Um, you know, we'd probably do it anyway, Adrian, to be honest, we'd probably just record. <laughs> even podcast. if no one, even if no one listens, right? Even if we had one listener, that's one person that we can yes. improve. And maybe it is, maybe it is just one person listening <laughs> to thousands and thousands of times. Uh, who Downloads. Knows? <laughs> yeah. No, it's so, it's so true, Troy, because all, what you and I do every day, Monday to Friday, sit in meetings, you know, mentoring people, listening, role-playing, uh, strategizing. Then on Saturdays, we're calling auctions. For, so like the 15 minutes per week, we can just connect, add value, tell anecdotes, listen to some lessons and share those and pay it forward. So it is a very, you know, altruistic I suppose, experience to go through. Um, but what I'm really happy with you didn't notice was the last episode we did was 147. So I've had podcast promiscuity and infidelity at 148 and 149 with two interviews, one with Gavin Lewis and one with Paul Davis. So I'm sorry that I cheated on you, Troy. That's all right. That's all right. I did notice that. I thought we've jumped a couple of numbers there, but I was going to run with it. Um, and I was <laughs> see that you had already sent those episodes live. But, you know, yeah. like all good business partners, we just, you know, let that stuff slide and just get on with the good stuff and stay focused on the prize. And that's getting to episode number 200. That's our next goal. So, that's Adrian, today, today we promised our listeners last week, we, we promised that we were going to talk about, we're going to continue the conversation with auctions. Really important moment in time right now making sure that yes. your uh, expectations are set 
expectations are reset. You're really getting face-to-face with your clients and providing them objective feedback that helps them make the right decision, both buyers and sellers. Um, I think it's really important, both sides of the coin that we really look after and we trust the process. The, the reality is our top performing agents, um, both within the business I work for, but across the industry, they are seeing huge amounts of success by following a process and constantly staying on the front foot in regards to setting those expectations. Now, Adrian, the conversation today is going to be on about auction day and auction day in particular, the use of the vendor bid, because we know that this point is quite contentious and it shouldn't be. You and I have no fear around the vendor bid, but I speak to a lot of agents, we coach a lot of agents and we hear a lot of feedback to say, no, 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 we don't use the vendor bid or the vendor bid's used at the wrong time or the vendor bid is used at a point where it actually takes away all momentum in the auction. So if we can today, I just want to unpack how we use that, the best times to use it. And also in your experience over the past 35 years and my 20 year experience, where have we seen the very best use it in the best possible way to get a great outcome for both buyer and seller? Because it actually, again, works for both sides of the equation. Uh, 100% Troy and what I always default back to is the communication process uh, with your vendor and your buyers so there's no use just uh, talking about a vendor bid on auction day and not communicating that with your vendor either at your set to sell meeting your weekly update meetings and or your reserve meeting and then not talking about it with your buyers prior to the auction. Um, We can't make the erroneous assumption that buyers are aware of agent uh, rhetoric, if you like, or agent jargon, which is, you know, vendor bid on the market, pass it in, and, and also sellers. I mean, some sellers that we that we represent, Troy, as you know, have either never sold or sold decades ago. So, mm. you know, the, the, the vernacular, it's probably more vernacular, um, you know, industry vernacular than, than it is jargon, um, that doesn't come first nature to them. And certainly as buyers, again, it's either been some years ago or, or never so we've really got to make sure that the communication is not in a patronizing sense to sort of spell it out sort of almost in a childlike manner but but certainly remind the client and even if they're an experienced client what I like to do Troy in my reserve meetings is is respect and acknowledge so I'll say Troy look I know that you've bought and sold real estate previously do you mind if I run through the most basic of terminologies that are likely to be used on the day one is reserve price two is on the market three is vendor bid uh four is passing it in is that okay oh yeah I appreciate that Adrian that's great so that's that's not patronizing it's just being really transparent so I think that along with the your final call with the buyers or in in our case Troy what you and I've been advocating coaching a lot is your final face-to-face meeting with buyers because let's face it most registrations are single digits these days okay so if if we're not appreciating that buyers are making up 50% of a transaction and if we're not treating buyers with the same level of uh, gravitas communication respect and importance that we are sellers, there's a problem. So a face-to-face meeting, I think, is critical. So that's my first point when it comes to this terminology on the uh, sorry vendor bid plus many others is is yep. over communicated with the seller and all buyers leading into the auction day. 
I also think, Adrian, that we can't take anything for granted. Um, a lot of the time we take the dialogue, the language, the vernacular, and we're quite complacent with our approach and we throw these terms around, actually stepping back and asking the questions, do you understand why we do this process? Do we understand why we cover that off? Um, I think is really important right now. While the market's buoyant, and we have seen over the past three years, we've seen that buoyancy continue along and you'd have multiple registrations, sometimes double digits, like you mentioned earlier. Um, we're now down to, I don't know about you, Adrian, but most of my auctions now have two, three, four registrations. I think that was the maximum I saw on the weekend for regos. Um, translating yes. to about 50% of those translating to bid. Um, so a lot of circumstances, you've kind of got two people fighting it out. Um, and by reluctance, I think, is, uh, is, is very much on the top of their mind right now. Um, when they're out there in the field, if they don't feel like the other buyers are confidently bidding, most other buyers are starting to pull back uh, and be conservative in their approach, which is kind of a bit crazy because you'd think when someone's conservative and you want the property, you'd go hard. But um, that's the market we're in. That's what we see out there uh, right now in Sydney metropolitan markets, especially in the, you know, the lower North Shore and the inner west and the, the, the outer western suburbs where we're predominantly seeing a lot of auctions um, mm. happen. Interesting stat, yeah. Adrian, is that... Um, 72% was the clearance rate for Sydney Metro on the weekend. So the great news is that if you had said 72%, over the course of your 35-year career, 35-plus year career, 72% um, clearance rate, you're actually like, that's a great rate. That's a great Excellent. rate. Um, mm. So you kind of think that, you know, we're not in a difficult circumstance. We're just at a low stock level. So we've got to make sure that this process is followed really well. The auction mm. itself, when you're doing the reserve meeting, are you recommending where to place the vendor bid? Are you waiting to the day before you recommend that placement of the vendor bid to the owner once you know how many regos are there? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, Troy. And there's, there's, it's not a coincidence or it's, it's not uh, an unstrategic um, plan that most reserve forms have a, 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 a provision for where to place the vendor bid. So that is a nice reminder to have the conversation with, with the client. Um, and I know a lot of agents, Troy, get lazy and I know a lot of them when they're having the reserve meeting just keep that blank or write in at, at, at agent's discretion or at auctioneer's discretion. I don't know about that. That sounds a bit arbitrary and a bit loose to me. I, I would rather walk into the auction knowing exactly how many registered parties they are, um, how long to wait, if if at all, that I do exercise the vendor bid and at what level. Because, I mean, it's a bit easier for me because I, I act as the agent and the auctioneer, but if I'm calling it for someone else, um, mm -hmm. like I need to know this information. What's the alternative? We pause and have a conversation with the vendor and the, and the, and the agent and then um, the, the owner is then surprised that the vendor bid is at that level and then you get them offside. So it's, it, it can be, it can be a, a little bit uh, loose in that regard, I think, Troy. So, yeah, I, I think your reserve meeting should have the reserve it should even have a, a second reserve, meaning that if we do need to announce it on the market earlier, where's that going to be? It should have where to exercise the vendor bid, at what point to exercise it. Do we do it to start with if no one if no one starts? Do we reject a bid under a certain price? That would that's great to know as you as you're aware, Troy, as an auctioneer. That's outstanding to know. Uh, otherwise, what we what's the alternative? We pause, look at the 
agent and then wait for the nod. I mean, it's again, it's it, we, we're really on show here. We really need to make sure that the community is is observing us as 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 experts in our field, experts in our craft, the trusted advisors. And we're not leaving anything to chance. So yeah, my answer to that is absolutely. And it, it's probably an area, as you know, Troy, you get you get handed a lot of reserve forms and it says to be confirmed or, or blank. You know, and I think I think we need to get better at that as agents. Yeah, I'm a big believer, um, especially before auction proceedings. I think the conversation definitely needs to happen at the reserve set. Um, be that Thursday evening, where I encourage all my agents to kind of have that. It's not too close to the auction day it's not too far yeah. away either you get a really good understanding you've normally done your final midweek inspection and you've done that last round of calls to make sure that those buyers that have requested contracts requested the building and pest report have gone through and made their recommendations by their solicitors or acting parties from a legal point of view they're all in line um mm. i think it frames the registration process as well and i know we're going to get into that in a second but by framing the registration process with the buyers you can start to preempt where the auctioneer will be asking for an opening bid or offer. Um, and then mm. if it does have a little bit of silence around it, you can move straight to that vendor bid. Now, Adrian, you know, the funny thing about a vendor bid is there should be no fear around it. Um, mm. If, if mm. you've been guiding a campaign quite clearly, um, you've been using market feedback, providing that to the owner, you've been seeing the recent sales that have happened during the course of the campaign. Most of the time, I would say, listen, 90% of my time, if I can't, encourage a bid to commence on the auction floor the vendor bid is normally at the guide price to commence mm. and that, that's the caliber of agents i work with the caliber of agents i work with are that transparent with their pricing based on the information they have and those recent sales that they can easily go well let's show full transparency we've been quoting x we're going to commence bidding from x that same price mm. and i find that that really has value i find that most buyers appreciate that transparency but i've also mm. got really good relationships with the agents i work with to provide that feedback to the crowd that's watching um, to make sure mm. that they understand that's the way the business that and the agents that i work with like to work as well mm. um, in that very transparent mm. environment i know from an integrity point of view that's a really big part of your um, I guess, ammunition or not ammunition, the way your mantra, the way that you work out there in the field is that you like to provide that transparency, but you're also there to help in a friendly environment, those buyers that want to purchase to purchase. Now, occasionally you get the buyer that just doesn't want to purchase, right? No matter what price yeah. it is, the dollar, if it's 500,000, if it's a million dollars, they're just not going to buy. They're just registering for the sake of registering. Those people exist. Mm. But I know from, from my experience of working so closely with you over the years is that that's something that's really important to you as well, having integrity in the way that you portray the vendor beer, but also commence auction mm. proceedings on, on the floor. Uh, 100%, Troy. And, and tell me, um, Troy, have you had agents that have said to you, oh, look, we really don't want to use the vendor bid because we don't want to portray to the buyers that there's no interest or limited interest? Have you had agents say that to you? Um, yes and no. Um, I'm quite lucky, Adrian, you know, in, in New South Wales, where I do about 90, 95% of my auctions, um, we have to register. So everyone has to hold yeah. a bidding card, um, the McGraw yeah. bidding cards, um, or the McGraw paddles that are available. Um, yeah. they're pretty easy to see. So I can normally, even if it's just one or two of those buyers, I can normally say, you know, there's multiple parties here. So there is a level of interest. Yeah. Um, I'd much rather have a result than no bid. 
uh, in many yeah. circumstances. Uh, I, I don't think that does benefit to anyone really uh, in this yeah. current at, at a point in time. Don't get me wrong. At a point in yeah. time, in a no bid auction does have some benefit, but in most cases, mm. uh, placing a vendor bid and passing the property in and treating with those parties upward is yes. by far a great baseline to work on as opposed to no yeah. bid and then ambiguity around that bidding process and negotiation process. Um, yeah. The great thing is you know, we're still seeing transactions happen uh, for auction campaigns, you know, in the high 80 90% range uh, for mm. our business in regards to the process. So they're selling prior at or after auction within a set period of time, we're still seeing that process work effectively well. So buyers are committing mm. to the process. They know that they're there to buy more so than what we're seeing for the other side, which is private sale or private mm. treaty conditions. How about you? And with, with well, I've, I have had agents that have said, look, I really prefer not to use the, the vendor bid because I, I, I want to... I want to sort of protect the owner's price and I want to make sure that the buyers that are here think that there's interest. And I think that's just a story that they're telling themselves. So I'll, I'll usually challenge them on that and, and I'll say, look, the, the vendor bid is just, it, it is there to actually protect the vendor's price. Why? You're quoting 1.5. That's your price guide. The owner won't listen to any offers under that. So where's where's the downside in exercising the vendor's right to bid at 1.5? Therefore, you're drawing a line in the sand. You are protecting the vendor's price. Um, and even if the buyers that are there think there's limited interest, why is that a bad thing? Like at the end of the day, if a buyer wants to buy and a seller wants to sell, you, you're going to put the deal together. So I've also had some agents say, can we pass it in no bid? And I'm thinking, well, I don't see the upside in that either. Like I'd, I'd much rather declare a vendor bid. Do you, are you the same, Troy, with that? Yeah, Adrian, I, I really think um, the only times I've ever come across that, I've normally dug a little bit deeper and realised that there was mm. a point in time where a negotiation went south with a buyer prior to auction um, right. that was probably there or the work hasn't been, we would anticipate it to be with the owners in the process so first open for inspection vip buyers going through after the first open Mm. for inspection when was the feedback provided i think complacency um uh can kind of get you to that point where you get nervous about that certain situation but you know Mm. i i never see the auction is an event but it's not an event in the process Mm. of selling it's it's actually a process that's followed um, for the execution of a sale, not not an event yeah. as it is. Like you're not going to an auction cross thinking that you're going to have mysterious buyers turn up, see it for the first time, bid and buy. Yes, it has happened to me probably in the past 10 years, five times um, maximum. Yeah. But yeah. I really think, you know, we should know exactly what's going to happen um, before it happens um, with a couple of surprises along the way on the auction floor. Yeah. And I think what about- bid bid's very important in that in that process. Yeah, I'll tell you what I've been asked a lot, Troy, um, and this is a good segue for it because we're still talking auctions and we're potentially still talking vendor bid, is is if there's one registered bidder, how do you know when to either still conduct the theatre of an auction and exercise the vendor bid or um, pull aside the agent and the registered bidder and say, just want to just be out of full transparency to let you know you're the only registered bidder. Here's the reserve price. Uh, I just want to let you know if we do negotiate, it will be under auction conditions and it will be unconditional. Um, let's enter into a negotiation. Um, how do you know 
is it based on the the demographic of the client? Is the vendor's instructions? Is it the agent's gut feel? Is it is it your is it your uh, instinct on the day and therefore making that recommendation? Because we do have that either of those choices, right? With one registered bidder. Yeah. Um, first of all, I, I I lead with dealing with integrity and honesty. So I always, yep. you know, you don't. The worst case scenario you could have probably have is a buyer that's holding your bidder's card, especially in the markets that we do have to mm. register and hold bidding cards. Um, yep. Go through that process and then look around and see there's no one else in the auction. Yes. And opening bidder up, they'll be like, "Well, what are you guys trying to play at?" Yes. Um, it normally happens as a conversation to say, listen, yep. this is the reality. Um, you are in a position that you are the only registered party. Circumstances, right? You may have three mm. or four parties that have dropped off because of the financial yep. situation at the moment yep. because they haven't been able to get approval. Maybe because they've got an extended settlement on their property that maybe transacted last weekend. There's, there's a whole number, a whole huge amount of circumstances at the moment. So mm. um, you need to have the conversation, but you need to have the conversation not on the auction floor or not mm. three minutes before the auction because you surprise someone, you scare them in this market. You, you want to be having really clear, consistent dialogue throughout the course of the campaign. Now, that works, mm. again, on both sides um, from the vendor's point of view but also the buyer's point of view. So mm. when you get to auction day, you can say, listen, there's a couple of scenarios that may happen in the week leading up with the vendor. We may have one register. We may have five registers. We mm. may have two registers. Yep. You will know your numbers based on the work that you're doing, the callbacks, the inquiries, the second inspections, the requests and changes for contracts, those types of things. From the buyer's point of view, you kind of play that same scenario. We may have you as the only registered party. There's a couple of other people that have said they're interested and they have requested contracts and they have made changes based on their legal um, recommendations or requirements that they need. But they're also not as strong as your position right now. So they've said they're interested. They're interested at the price ranges that we have been quoting the recent sales that indicate this property's great value. Mm. but we don't necessarily know whether they're going to be in your position come auction day. Now, the great news is that you may be only competing against the owner come auction mm. day as opposed mm. to competing against other parties. Now, me, as a buyer, most times I'd rather negotiate with the owner and compete with the owner as opposed to compete with other parties. It's a known quantity mm. because you set a reserve letter. Um, other buyers, you don't know what they're prepared to go to. So I actually think it's a really good thing um, in a lot of circumstances, but you must you must run the process and be really clear and consistent with your communication leading up to the auction, not three minutes before if they're the only registered party. Um, from there, Adrian, the negotiation, uh, the way that I like to run is, again, in a, in a very transparent auction environment um, to have the conversation if we can formally agree on a price prior to auction, um, I still run the auction process and go through the particulars so we know that it's an unconditional contract. So there's no question of a doubt in regards to their buying circumstances. Um, but at the same time, you want to make sure that you're having the conversation with the owner as well. So sometimes it can be a vendor bid with that vendor bid having the buyer coming over the top, you confirming the price and, and, and successfully doing it. Sometimes you can go through the formal process, agree on a price that both parties agree to, and then call for the bid and they place the bid formally with their bidder's card shown and then you sell the property. So there's a couple of different ways of, of doing it, but the first thing that everyone must remember is integrity, transparency, communication. Those three factors, um, if you get them right and you follow the, the system that we have in place, which is our legal system, um, to make sure it's done correctly, you're, you're going to be in a really good state and really good position to, to get a result on auction day. Yeah, nailed it, Troy. I think, you know, integrity, transparency, communication is key. So 
you know, some of my owners, if I sit down with them at the reserve meeting, say, look, with one registered party, these are our options. I've had many just say, look, I've paid for an auction. I'd love to see an auction play out. And there's one buyer, that's fine. Um, you know, and can you explain to me how we utilise the vendor bid? And I'm like, well, this is probably the most important time to use the vendor bid, uh, you know, in order to create a benchmark and a platform on price, um, hopefully encourage the one registered party to bid north of that and then enter negotiations and, and try and get it sold, you know, under auction conditions. Um, or the second option is to have that direct conversation and do almost like a closed auction, if you like and be fully transparent around them being the only registered party. So I, I don't think there's, you know, I was sort of almost like a rhetorical question when I asked you. I don't think there's any set objectives or metrics to, to make a decision on that. I think it's all about have you communicated with your vendor prior and if so, what instructions have they given you? So let's not delude ourselves that the, 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 the um, you know, that the decision is only upon us. You know, we must consult our client. But then also with the buyer, have you actually sat down with the buyer prior and um, you looked at that as a potential scenario and preempted it and discussed it with them. And really, there shouldn't be any surprise factor if it, if it gets to that. I just think that, you know, in this market, Troy, over-communication with buyers will set you free. I think the last two years, you could get away with limited communication with buyers and still sell real estate and still coming out looking looking quite strong. I just feel at the moment is you know, 50% of our time needs to be working with buyers, which is at parity in terms of what contribution a buyer makes to a transaction, which is 50%, where in the past, I think it's probably been 90% on listings, 10% on buyers. Uh, and that might have served its purpose in, a, in, a, in an abnormal market. We're sort of entering more into a normal market condition now. So, yeah, I, I think this has been a great discussion on auctions. And, I mean, it started with Vendor Bid, but I know it's taken a, a few U-turns around other, other dialogue. But I think what's uh, consistent and certainly um, something that, that you and I both agree on is, is communicate with your vendor, let them know about every possible scenario, leave nothing to chance, then replicate that conversation with your buyers. Uh, make sure that these conversations are face-to-face because that's how you're going to get uh, your, your trust and rapport and your trusted advisor um, type of gravitas uh, that's happening with those particular clients and make sure that everything is planned out. I mean, an auction performance or an auction day is a very strategic process, yet why are we leaving vendor bid to the last minute? Why are we leaving deciding the reserve to the last minute? Why are we leaving potential scenarios left to the last minute? Um, it really needs to be a, a very seamless transaction, a very comfortable and easy transaction for all stakeholders of it, including the underbidders, the buyer, the seller, the agent and the auctioneer and the observers, because they are still stakeholders in it. And, and then the community as well, who's, who's looking at us for clarity in this, what can be a confusing market. And they really want us to, to shine the, the, the light and say, hey, we are the agents to use and to talk to and to consult with uh, in order to buy and sell real estate. Yeah. Absolutely. So there you go, listeners. Episode number 150, know your client, both buyer and seller, know the market, know what's happening in the market, know the way that they want to purchase, know the way that they want to work, 
and then really understand that over-communication in this market right now, which is pretty normal, Adrian, in most circumstances, the higher caliber agents that I talk to, they're like, yeah, listen, the last couple of years was a bit obscure and it was really big. Um, this is more of a normal market. Yep. So know that what you do today in the lead up to your auctions, in the lead up to that business um, will be successful for you come auction day or the event of you know, extracting a, a premium offer and negotiating with the client to, to get a great result. But AB, that was, um, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's always one that comes up. I must admit every question that I get around mm. auctions is normally based around you know, expectations meeting. So how important is that right at the start of the yeah. campaign? Translating that through to um, when to use the vendor bid, when to use the vendor bid and, and how to use it. So really important topic. Hopefully everyone got something from that. We're really glad that we, um, we, we did this episode. I know that yes. you've been going out and doing other episodes. Can't believe you're doing that to me, but <laughs> this is a good uh, one. It's, uh, it seems it seems that podcast fidelity is not my strength, Troy. I'm I'm sorry about that. <laughs> You're excused. You're excused. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Thank you. We might need to go. We might need to go to couples therapy just to work through <laughs> yeah, that blockage. Yeah, yeah. Work through that blockage. Yeah. Twenty five years. I think you're stuck with me. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's why I always post that two emojis, the two boys holding hands. You know, that's, that's us. That's us. All right, mate. Take care. Hey, listeners, I hope um, you got something out of Troy and I just having a conversation, which we would have had anyway, even if you weren't listening. But hope that's uh, been of interest to everyone. And we look forward to episode 151, and we're going to answer some questions because they're backing up, Troy. I've got quite a few there yeah. on my DM. So we're going to start really smashing those, okay? Perfect. Awesome. Thanks so much. See you next week. See you, listeners. Thanks, Troy.